Welcome back to In the Queue with me, Tim McFerrin and John Slusar. John, back at it again. It's been right. uh, it's been a minute. You've relocated to a new I home did. base, right? I did. Right. Yeah, yeah. Katie and I. Um, yeah, I know because like I feel like the last show we did it had been a while, and now it's been a little while since then. Although I don't yeah. think it's, it's been not- as long of a gap between no, the last no. one and now. But no, no. yeah, you know, just you know how it is. Like you moved, you guys moved uh, not too long ago, right? Um, so yeah, that's what what my wife and I just had to deal with uh, just just over a week ago. Uh, so we're in Long Beach now, um, and it's really nice here. Nice. Really enjoying it. Wonderful. It's, um, it's basically has all the things that I would want out of living in Los Angeles, but just without having to be in Los Angeles. Sure. How um, far out from Los Angeles is it? It's like a 40, 45 minute drive from For LA. Sure. For sure. It's really not far, but as I'm sure you've heard, like LA traffic can be really bad and getting from here to there sometimes can be a pain in the ass so we you know we moved most of our stuff on one day and mm-hmm. then we kind of took a couple smaller trips a few days after that sure so you know we ended up driving to and from from long beach to la and back like five times like mm. in like four days so since like last week but pretty much since like a week ago today uh we've kind of just been trying to stay put here you know just to like give ourselves a little little break from running around and also because we just had to set everything up here but but it's coming together place is good happy here nice um when you mentioned LA traffic being bad, it reminds me of this like psychotic thing I do sometimes where I go on Google maps and like I'll intentionally look at how bad traffic is in some like major U S cities. Like, I don't know what drives me to do it, but I just, I'll just go on and be like, Oh man, look at those red lines. Like this is brutal. No, for sure. For sure. You know, it's, it's rough. I mean, it's, it's comparable to Chicago's traffic. Sure. Or like New York City. I mean, New York mm-hmm. City is probably worse, but um, LA. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a sprawl that like that traffic just like extends so far. So it's been nice just not really having to drive anywhere too far recently. Sure. And like where we're at, so many places are within within walking distance. Mm-hmm. So um, like we're really close to downtown Long Beach, but we're not actually in downtown. And then, but we could walk there and like. To downtown in like 20 minutes mm-hmm. um the beach is like 25 minutes away walking That's nice Jeez. um and then we're also close to more like suburban areas that's like more of like a 15 minute drive so like everything is very like we're very well located where we're at where nice you know if we want to just leave the car and just just take a walk we're we're able to get to most places within 10 minutes so it really worked out nice awesome that's great um how are things with you yeah let me think like i've just been busy at work lately which like 
typical, you know, some things never change. Um, so I was like relieved when you were like, Hey, do you want to push it back another week for recording? And I'm like, yes, that works perfectly. Um, yeah, that, what else is going on? So I am getting into the like sneaker game. I'm not like a sneaker head yet, but I'm Mm -hmm. trying to buy some like cooler shoes lately it's not going yeah. well i've been no. looking for like no so like apparently like, fa skate shop is like where i should be going for like the mm-hmm. new nike drops and stuff but like haven't made my way out there but there's like an app that people use to, like buy really cool sneakers lately and it's i haven't won isn't anything it, man isn't it better i mean you could get anything you want online right no, dude, like these, when these Nikes drop, like basically you have like one of like three options, I guess. One is you go to a local store, wait in line, or like enter in their raffles for these shoes. Mm-hmm. You use this app called Sneakers by Nike, but like all the vowels are missing in it. So it's like S N K R S. It's very like, yeah, yeah, like hip cool thing in like the mid 2000s to do then yeah there's just buying them like being resold like after the release of them freaking yeah like upcharge which like i'm not doing that so yeah i I figured that was the case i i'm sure yeah that goes on yeah a lot there's a pair of nike dunks that are varsity green coming out tomorrow they're kind of a lower shoe, so fingers crossed it pans out for me. 9 nice. a.m. Central Time. We'll see what happens. I'll give an update <clears throat> next episode. Not optimistic, though. Can't lie. Are you going to try to get the uh, Lil Nas X shoe? No, don't think so. Don't think that's <laughs> in the works for me. <laughs> um, I'm not like a... I mean, you know... I like shoes. I like sure. having cool shoes, but I'm not really like a sneakerhead at all. But yeah. I understand why people like get into it. Like I, I remember a couple years ago, I was gonna try to get uh, Adidas did like a a design with both Liam and Noel Gallagher. Oh, cool. They each had their separate like custom like design, you know, mm-hmm. Adidas shoe, and they were, you know, it's it was basically just like. The very basic Adidas, like white sneaker, mm-hmm. but embroidered in like gold embroidered was like their image, you know, their faces, and then cool. it says like supersonic, you know, and all that. Like, pretty cool. But, um, you know, as I looked into it, you realize how expensive these shoes are, mm-hmm. um, and they're limited, extremely limited. So then they just get bought up and then resold for like insane prices. So I I get what you're saying. I know it was also like, there was an Ian Brown one too from like, probably from like almost a decade ago now. And that's like a, that was like a black shoe. Also Adidas with like Mm -hmm. a gold, like, uh, text. Um, you know, very cool. Just, uh, I'm not, it's for me, it's just not, it's not worth it. I'll go up to about 120 or so probably for a cool pair of shoes. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, there are people who are like, oh, yeah, I'll drop like 220, 200 bucks on these. And I'm like, no, come sure. on. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Two hundred is just a little too much. I feel like if if it was something that I really really liked and wanted, I could possibly see doing it. But um, it's I, a lot of money. I have to <laughs> for say, shoes. Dude, I'm like going through something recently. I don't know what, but like in the last week, I dropped. This isn't like a flex. I dropped like seven hundred dollars just on like stupid shit. Mm-hmm. Like I bought this like small like micro computer thing they can program to like emulate like old video games in like a frame perfect way or whatever for like it was like 320 dollars and i was like what the fuck am i doing so then like two days later i'm like yeah i don't like like my current chair which it's like fine you can see it it's just like a normal chair Uh i don't love it so i bought a different one for like 350 dollars and i was like all right then like you know you look at your credit card statement and you're like what the fuck am i doing right now and right well i'm okay like mentally i'm fine nothing's wrong with me (laughs) i'm okay but like something man i don't know i don't yeah i mean i know what you mean i i mean i guess for me it's different but like katie and i've spent a lot of money these last <laughs> like couple of weeks just i mean but security de- that's more like security deposits and like like yeah. how like a lot of bed bath and beyond purchases sure. you know but still you know it adds up and you're like oh geez but i suppose it's a little bit different but did you guys I mean, do a registry when you got married or anything like that or no we actually just re- we just set up there a registry recently yes yeah so we, we're not we're holding off on a bunch of stuff in the in the hopes that someone else will get it for us of course. but still there was plenty of things we wanted to have like right away so we just you know we bought a bunch of uh a bunch of household stuff and kitchen stuff and what's the um, best household appliance you guys bought like your favorite one like one that you're not like okay i just got the cheapest thing i could like something you kind of splurged on right um honestly i would say uh we got a really nice uh some really nice towels okay nice for the bathroom and Mm -hmm. shower like like shower mat yeah i guess that would i would say that's probably my favorite (laughs) that's that's good i mean um we got a coffee maker that was seemed really good but it just made kind of weak coffee so we had Mm -hmm. to return it so we're just using a french press for now and then we're just gonna hope that someone else gets us like a decent coffee maker where you guys registered Um, at bed bath and beyond okay yeah cool but uh yeah we're like um we're gonna be ordering like uh like announcement cards uh probably before the end of this week we'll like Mm -hmm. pick out a few photos we like and then order them as cards and then we'll put our like registry information in that um i know it's like it's not as typical for like to set up a registry after you've already been married but it does happen sure um and yeah so we'll we'll see and then we're gonna be going in a few weeks we'll be in arizona to visit my my parents and yes yeah i think we're gonna give out some (laughs) give out some cards there that sure yeah man ask other people to give things to us so it's a little awkward but you know we're married, so uh, you're being awkward together. 
you we know, could, yeah, and we could use the the support. So, and I'm sure people will be happy to to help. So, which is nice. <laughs> Better be, yeah. which is very nice. <laughs> sure. Um, but uh, have you found somehow? Have you been able to find time to like watch stuff? Dude, I wish no. So like. So, okay, basically the only thing I've watched recently is I'm continuing the Star Wars rewatching thing. I think we talked about yeah. that in the last episode. Uh-huh. So we're on to the original trilogy now. Okay. We've gone through A New Hope and gone through Empire. Going to start a Return, Return of the, of the Jedi. Jedi soon. Dude, like, I mean, those movies all just, like, fucking rap. Like, they're so good. But yeah, those, like redone versions like in the 90s mm-hmm. with those like extra like cgi stuff that lucas yeah. lost in it's not great dude like yeah there's some real filth in those like i don't know i'm not huge on it but um yeah i don't know but that's really all i've watched lately um still empire is my favorite one i think new hope's awesome though yeah was gonna watch Three Women just to do another Altman film, but never got around to it. Still sitting in the sure. shrink wrap from the uh, last Criterion sale. Um, oh yeah, yeah. No, I got it. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna love this. I'm so stoked to watch it. Then you know, we picked our movie for this week, and was like, oh man, I should watch it. But work and going out to bars lately has been plaguing my life. So yeah, no, for sure. Getting it happens pint, you know you have to <laughs> what else can you do man <laughs> yeah how about you that's true anything notable lately so i've actually been watching a decent amount of movies nice. uh i've um sort of accidentally got on a scorsese kick it just sort of happened accidentally Dude. i watched yeah. uh casino uh which i actually I had never seen Casino start to finish. Oh, really? Um, and I loved it. I actually think, in some ways, I think it's better than Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we did watch Goodfellas recently, too, again. And mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Fantastic movie. It's just... so Like, Casino is kind of similar. I mean, you know, it's, it's this kind of epic crime film Mm -hmm. it's just uh i would say casino is a little darker and more realist Mm -hmm. and goodfellas even though it's based on a true story it's a little more cartoony the way it plays out but because i've i've seen goodfellas so many times and i grew up with that it still is a little bit above casino in my mind sure um but i guess what i'm trying to say is i do think uh, I actually think Casino does give it a run for its money, but uh, I love Goodfellas. And then mm-hmm. last night we watched The King of Comedy, which I hadn't seen in a long time. And I have to say, that actually might be my favorite Scorsese I've movie. never seen it, but I've wanted to for a long time. It I heard is it's great. great. And it's funny because I kind of, I hadn't watched it in like, probably almost 20 years mm-hmm. i probably watched last time i watched it was probably like 2003 or four sure um and it's just interesting because like you know uh 
as I'm sure, I'm sure a lot's been written about this, and I and it wasn't until I was watching it that I kind of remember this. But the recent Todd Phillips film, Joker, yes, uh, sort of takes a lot from the King of Comedy. That's what I've heard. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, watching it again after so long and having seen Joker like, you know, a year ago or whatever, two years ago. Uh, it is, like, it, it, Joker really, I mean, obviously it's a very specific story that's very separate from King of Comedy, but mm-hmm. the way that the narrative arc flows mm-hmm. and the sort of roles that are uh, that are attached, like, it's just so similar. Sure. Um, it takes so many cues from the King of Comedy, and uh, the King of Comedy is just a vastly better movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard the similar sentiments from people who've seen both, and everyone's like, "Yeah, King of Comedy is significantly better," but it, like, of like course in a it way, so. yeah. I mean, it's just it's bizarre because it's like you know, it's a Scorsese film. It's uh, it was the film he made after Raging Bull, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess De Niro had expressed wanting to collaborate on something that was like way different from that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what led Scorsese to like, being involved with the the production. And mm-hmm. um, it's it is a comedy, and in some ways it's very atypical of like Scorsese material. But then watching it now it it really i think fits very nicely in his catalog Mm -hmm. and and it's not as like typically violent or aggressive as his other films but then in a weird more subtle way it still is it's a very dark and disturbing movie and it Mm -hmm. deals with a a depraved individual it's just approaching it from like this comedic perspective but the effect is still kind of jarring and um and de niro's performance it's the same thing it's like in a way he's playing this comic figure and it's so different from how we're used to seeing de niro but then it also fits very well within his his uh his career as well so yeah i mean it's not the typical choice for like oh best scorsese films people would say taxi driver or raging bull or goodfellas for the most part mm-hmm. but i act, i i have to say i think this one is just as good and i think it actually might be my favorite nice yeah of this film so <laughs> uh those were so those are all great uh and not to go on too much here but i'll just say briefly i rewatched uh ghost dog way of the samurai mm-hmm. by jim jarmusch and that's a good film as well um i i would say like have, have you seen it i have not no um i would re- i think you would like it mm-hmm. i think is it on the channel it might be <clears throat> yeah it is okay cool it is so it's funny because like so we have a tv that has a built-in dvd player that mm-hmm. katie's had in storage for like years and sure. Uh, what usually happens, it depends on how long the movie is, but when you start it, 
it's fine and then usually by the end the audio gets really fucked up (laughs) so what we've had to do with a few of these is we've started it on the tv Mm -hmm. and then once that happens we'll find out where it's streaming and then we finish it on my laptop which is so ridiculous but we did that with ghost dog um so it was convenient that it was on the channel as well but um uh yeah it it's good i think it's not my favorite jarmish Mm -hmm. and but it's also just so uh singular in a way like i could see people who don't really like his films liking that one mm-hmm. um but i could also see people absolutely hating it and thinking it's boring and and all that but it's it's good i, I would sure. say not my favorite of his but definitely worth checking out um and then i guess i'll just mention i also rewatched the wedding singer uh, right. Yes. Which is my favorite Adam Sandler film ever? Yeah. Over Punch Drunk Love. Well, or you're not no, counting just, that. It's like okay, okay. I mean, like films that he's involved with, sure. production-wise, mm-hmm. um, like Happy Madison stuff. Right. Okay. I would say that is uh, his best movie, and I would say it's one of my favorite comedies. Yeah. It's a funny I, movie. I just, it's just, it's stupid, but really funny. Mm-hmm. And I think it's got, it's like, I just think, I, I enjoy his comedies in general. It's sort of a guilty pleasure of mine. Mm-hmm. But The Wedding Singer, I actually feel like is infused with a little more, it's a little more heart in it. It's a little sure. more thought, it's a little more thoughtful. And I think it just makes it a, a more engaging experience and just a kick-ass soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh Dead or Alive and uh Elvis Costello and the Thompson Twins and Psychedelic Furs and the Smiths and New Order, Sugar yeah. Hill Gang. It's a good soundtrack, jeez. Yeah, I mean it's kinda of forgot, but it's phenomenal. So Yeah. So yeah, a lot of a lot of movies in addition to uh our film some good comfort for this food week. stuff in there you know just those movies that you fall back on when you're stressed out and stuff you know? yeah that's exactly what that is nice. yeah but uh i guess we should segue into our film let's for this do week. it you may as well so um today's episode we watched mccabe and mrs miller by robert altman uh, released in 1971, I want to say. 71. Um, and uh, I'll do a little plot summary here. Um, I I wrote this kind of fast, so if I if I fuck this up at all, I'm sure we'll correct it in our conversation. Of course. But uh, here it goes. So McCabe and Mrs. Miller. It's basically just about this mining town in the early 20th century Washington State. Um, it's a town called Presbyterian Church, which is named after like its its largest, most intact building that's in the area. And John McCabe, who's a mysterious gambler, arrives in the town one night and 
there are rumors about him. There seems to be this idea, this narrative that McCabe is like this kind of rogue gunslinger, gambler. And uh, because of that, he kind of has everyone's attention. And over time, McCabe really becomes an influential member of this community. And he decides to open a brothel in the town, but is eventually approached by Constance Miller, um, who is a prostitute herself and also has been in the field for some time and a businesswoman. And she proposes um, an idea for just a better and more professional establishment that they could go in on together. So the two of them end up running a very successful business um, and the town kind of starts to flourish in a way and there's there's some life there. And eventually uh, a pair of agents from a different mining town come in to offer to buy out the business and McCabe refuses. And because he refuses the offer, uh, the businessmen hire bounty hunters to go, I guess, just kill McCabe and take care of the situation. And once he realizes this, McCabe tries to renegotiate the deal. But by this point, uh, the two agents uh, and businessmen have left the town. And McCabe realizes that he now has to deal with the, the consequences. And he manages to evade two of the assassins before killing them. And he's then mortally wounded by the last hitman uh, named Butler, I believe. And after he is shot, McCabe feigns his de- his early death uh, before killing Butler. And then as soon as this happens, uh, McCabe just lies down in the snow and then dies. Mm-hmm. And that's the film. Yeah. That's so, a great summary. Yeah. So this is a movie that I had heard a lot about over the years and just never saw it was always brought up in like a lot of academic like film conversations mm-hmm. i remember hearing about it at school a little bit um mm-hmm. and then just have having an interest in robert altman myself i was excited to finally get to see it um mm-hmm. now i'm also aware that as i'd heard about this movie over the years i knew it was something that was considered to be like a classic by a lot of people, but I also mm-hmm. knew that there was a, there were a lot of dissenting voices around this film, and there are people that really do not like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we'll get into all that, but I'll just say right now, I love the movie. I think it is just kind of utterly fascinating in its own yeah. way. Um, I don't know. What do, what do you think? No, for sure. So I think for me... I liked it quite a bit. Um, You know, I think there are times I felt the pacing for me was a little bit slow, but by large, like taking the film as a whole, I thought it was awesome. I love, um, you know, the whole premise of like what people talk about it and like a lot of critical essays is like the anti-Western, I think is a really kind of fascinating Mm -hmm. story with it. I love um, John McCabe as a character. He's such an interesting 
dude like he's not quite like like he's he's a very savvy guy he's not like i think it's like what people get confused sometimes i'll read like people talk about them like oh he's kind of like bumbling and really miller's the one who's you know really running the business and stuff and i'm like well he's not like an idiot though like he knows what he's doing he's clearly good at what he does um you know certainly by the end of the film like he never lives up to what we know is like the cowboy in a western movie like yeah he's incredibly flawed like even you know you can see he's like in complete like terror and fear at the end of the movie like when he mm-hmm. retreats into the church and then leaves and it's yeah it's awesome though i, I loved it like so atmospheric too like just yeah the landscape uh-huh. is beautiful oh Yes, like visually, this is so stunning, and there's these incredible, like the, the cinematography. It, it's some of the best cinematography I've seen, and that was uh, Vilmos Zig- Zygmunt, mm-hmm. who uh, he shot a lot of like Woody Allen stuff over the years. It's like a lot of people will acknowledge, okay, like visually, this is great. Um, it's atmospheric, but I think the criticism a lot of people have is that the film is only atmospheric and it doesn't have a lot of like emotional substance and the thing is i don't really agree with that i think that yes i I, what i will acknowledge is that it's very um, the emphasis is on the visuals and just kind of creating this this atmosphere and setting a, a scene but I don't think that the story or like the the dynamics between the characters, I don't see that as like some inconsequential part of the story. It's just the way Altman approached it was that I think more than anything, he just wanted to make a film that felt real. Like you, Mm -hmm. like a film that gives you an idea of what life may have been like at this time. Sure. So, I I just think he, in addition to just the visuals, I think he wanted to emphasize these little moments of like, you hear little snippets of conversations between people in one side of the room, and then you hear some people from the other side, but you don't hear everything that they say. Like, sure. when I was watching this, I was watching this with Katie and uh, my old roommate, uh, Leah, and they were both like, oh, wait, like, is the audio messed up? Like, why couldn't we hear? Sure. Yeah. And it was... It was a, a deliberate choice to not catch every single line of dialogue. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, like, and I get that because of that, that might cause someone to think, oh, well, therefore the the dialogue is inconsequential. And it's like, it's not as simple as that. I mm-hmm. think you hear enough to know what's going on. And then obviously in the scenes where there's, like, real discussion between McCabe and Miller, you, you hear what they're saying. Mm-hmm. It's more just Altman must have just felt it was more realistic to kind of just throw you into this landscape and not not crafting these like these conventional subplots. He wanted to give you an idea of what these people were like and how they talked with one another and, and the kinds of conversations you would have heard people have. Like I, I don't there's like a scene where like I think it's kind of towards the beginning when because I guess it's like at an inn that McCabe right. arrives at where they're playing there's a scene where like there's two men yeah they're playing cards and there's two men eventually at one point discussing like how they should cut their facial hair yeah yeah like 
it's just such like a trivial conversation and something that like wouldn't necessarily be dialogue in a typical film you know Mm -hmm. but i guess what i'm trying to say is that all those sorts of things were thrown in to create some sense of realism sure and if people feel like it didn't work or they didn't like it that's fine but i personally feel like it was very effective definitely yeah like it it enhanced the experience i had the same like reaction that your uh your former roommate had i remember like at the very beginning of the movie after the uh opening like sequence of him like riding on the horse and going into town or whatever um i had to rewind it and like turn the volume up and i was like wait am i missing something is like the audio really poorly mixed here or something like that but you know over time i was okay wait like that's just you know altman's own decision of what this should be like um the idea that you know i I think like atmosphere certainly does take priority in it but yeah i agree what you said though it's like i don't think that doesn't mean there's like narrative there or like like the sort of romance between mccabe and miller is like pretty tragic and like yeah fairly sad like i mean first off their relationship itself is kind of strange because you don't quite know like what it means to either of them like they're business partners they're also romantic partners but he pays her for sex yeah she charges him yeah for sex which is like funny but also like you don't quite know what's going on and then right i think at the end of the movie to show him you know dying alone in the snow and then it kind of if I remember right, it kind of like pans to the opium den that she's yeah, in. Yeah, and she's just there. She's yeah. like completely faded, and it's just like sad because you, you're led to believe that like he thought something really special was there, something meaningful mm-hmm. was here, but like she's just like passed out, stoned, and yeah, like, that's how the movie ends though, and that's like a right. really good. I love that. I love that ending yeah, so much. It's, it's great. So good. I think a big part of this whole thing is that McCabe, like you're right, McCabe's not an idiot, like. Mm like he he's you know excellent gambler yeah um he's not totally incompetent but he's also not exactly who people think that he is and he's willing Mm -hmm. to let people believe that because it it gives him a kind of mystique that maybe he hasn't earned like right in the beginning you know they're all kind of whispering to each other about oh this is the guy that shot this guy in a card game and then uh, I don't know if you remember, but one of the assassins, the the, the main guy, after his first meeting with him, uh, he turns to like one of his associates and he's like, "This man has never killed anybody in his yeah, life." Yeah, right. And he and he could see that he knew that he knew that this mm-hmm. guy was scared, uh, was not like yeah, he like he probably like got into a few fights over the years, you know, getting mm-hmm. being involved with gambling and and, but the idea that he sort of took another person's life, you know, like, uh, it's clear that his reputation isn't entirely accurate. And I think Miller recognizes that as well. Mm -hmm. It's what you said earlier. I guess what I find so interesting is that these are very flawed characters. Mm -hmm. And obviously like so many great dramatic works have, depicted flawed characters before that's nothing new i just think that the way the way altman uh frames the story and the way he the things he chooses to show and the things he chooses to kind of like mute Mm -hmm. 
like I feel like it emphasizes the the flawed nature of all of these people mm-hmm. but without manufacturing these sort of like conventional subplots out of it right. you know in a way what I think is funny like I guess going back to the end of the movie um, it's the fact that you know the church catches on fire and that's like what attracts everyone in the town they, they flee to that like embracing this you know known thing in their community that's been there for so long instead of like considering what's happening to McCabe and granted like they're kind of oblivious to it to an extent but like it pushes back on like I don't know so like it's not really like a western movie but it's a John Wayne movie but the movie The Quiet Man which like Mm -hmm. was my dad and my grandpa and like a bunch of else was like favorite movie yeah my family loves it so you've seen it before I've seen it yeah it's good like yeah there's that part yeah. towards the end where there's like that huge fight and everyone's around yeah it's like everyone surrounds that fight that's kind of <laughs> funny because in this movie it's like the polar opposite where yeah like, no one cares no one I cares love that. everyone's I love distracted it. so, yeah it's so fascinating again, like, i love that and that's sort of like a kind of a more realist approach you sure. know what i mean because like sure. realistically why would everyone be aware that this was happening like it's it's not a huge area that they're in, but it's big enough to where if there's four people scattered around somewhere else, the rest of the town isn't going to necessarily be like, "Oh, gather around, let's look at this, let's look mm-hmm. at this gunfight." Like, especially if, like you said, if there's there's a fire in their most notable building, right, occurring at that time, that's going to obviously take priority, precedent, right? Um, because in a way, it's like when you think of like the typical Western, like. It's, you know, the cowboy and then, like, the, like, uh, rogue guy or the, you know, the bandits who rolled into town. And, like, you see, like, the village people, like, inside of the saloon, like, looking out the window and, like, shutting yeah. up their businesses. And, like, it just doesn't happen in this. And, like, no. There's, like, snow on the ground. It's very, uh, mm-hmm. I admire that about it. I, I admire movies that play with your expectations. And I love yeah, that kind of it, stuff. It, it, and even as he dies, it's like it's a cinematic moment in that it looks really nice. I yeah. mean, you know, it, it's it's a sad but like kind of poetic image, mm-hmm. but it's also not typical of the western because it's like no one sees him die. Like mm-hmm. he's alone. Um, you know, his would be partner is getting high. Uh, the townspeople who kind of believed in him, none of them are there. You know, it's just like. It's sad, but it's also not like it. It doesn't feel like um, forced. It doesn't feel like oh, uh, Altman is really trying to be depressing. Mm-hmm. I think it's just this. He wanted to capture, like he he wanted to have like a, a very specific narrative, while at the same time ignoring the conventions of like of like the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, but not, not only of just that genre, but just of filmmaking at that time. Yeah. The hero dies yeah. in this, you know, like, but then you see life goes on though. Like people are jazzed that the church has been, uh, you know, saved or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, Miller's just, you know, getting stoned and like, you know, things just keep, life goes, life on. goes on, man, you know? And yeah, I'm sure the people that were going to buy out the, uh, the uh, brothel are gonna 
you know, they're going to move in, they're going to take over the business, yeah. they're going to take yeah. over the mines nearby, and, like, they'll be fine. And It's like, yeah, like, <laughs> they're hit, all their assassins are dead, but so, so is their competition, so. Exactly. You know, it's, it's what, it's like an hour and 40 minute film, something About, like that. Maybe a little bit more, I think. Maybe a little yeah. bit more. I, it, yeah. I don't think it overstays its welcome. I think no. it, it, um... I think it makes an impact. I have to For say, sure. yeah. I think um, I'm, I'll do a second viewing of it soon. Now that I know like what it is exactly, because like in my initial you know screening of it, I was kind of like, okay, so like where is this going? And then like there'd be some like plot beat that would really pick up for me, and then there'd be like, a bit of a lull, and then it'd pick up again. And then I think knowing what it is now, I think I. I'll go back to it and appreciate a lot more of the nuances of it for sure. The uh, Leonard Cohen tracks on it, love it. Yeah, so good, just perfect. Yeah, like, it, it works oh. really well. The like story. I mean, it's just like a quick thing I read on uh, Wikipedia about it, where basically Altman was like a huge Leonard Cohen fan and had reached out to Leonard Cohen. Was like, oh, you must have seen the movie Mash, right? And like. You probably loved it, so how about you jump on my next joint with me? And Cohen's like, I have no idea what MASH is, dude. <laughs> but Brewster McCloud, big fan of that one. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, okay, sick, dude, sure. So then uh, yeah, he, he like licensed like uh, three songs for it, and yeah. he actually kicked some of like, the uh, sales from uh, any sale of Songs of Leonard Cohen that came mm-hmm. after the release of became Mrs. Miller, he would kick back some royalties to Altman, which is kind of oh, nice. Wow. He's like, Hey dude, like, wow. And it's a very like endearing thing to see that happen. I think it's, it's, it's very rare for something it, like that to happen. It, it is like the Wikipedia notes, like an arrangement, which at the time was very unusual. <laughs> and even now I'm like, I, I think a lot of people well, would be kind of weird about that to some degree. Even though I, I, I guess I should have looked into this, but like, even though I can't imagine the the film made that much money at the time, mm-hmm. I, I imagine the people who did see it, anyone who didn't already know who Leonard Cohen was, mm-hmm. I'm sure he gained some fans, right? Because of the film, I'm sure there were people who discovered his his songs because of the film, right? Um, it looks like initially it didn't do super well. Uh, at the box office in New York, but did well elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, made 8.2 million total box office. So, yeah, you know, it's, I suck with like the financials of any of that kind of stuff. So I'm not even going to guess. No, same. Oh. So this is our second Altman film. Second we watched. Altman film. Yep. Um, and obviously you and I are both very big Paul Thomas Anderson fans. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting because it, it it's been a long time since I've really thought about that comparison. And I just remember at my first semester at UIC, I was in a film class, mm-hmm. like a history of film class. And, uh, this got brought up a lot, like, um, Altman in relation to Anderson. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just hadn't really thought about it much until, recently when I've just been, you know, watching some of these films again. And, um, I always, I always 
was of the opinion that there was a similarity, but especially when I'm watching these films now, again, like I said, McCabe isn't super PTA, no. but um, having said that, the the influence that he had on Paul Thomas Anderson is even more apparent to me now. For sure. Totally. And I, and I guess on that note, um, I'm very excited about Soggy Bottom. Yes, yes. It's um, coming out this fall, this, this or fall. this winter, Jeez. or uh, December, I guess. And we've heard I, like nothing about it, really. <laughs> I think he was trying to get it at Cannes. I don't know if that's going to happen, mm-hmm. though. I don't think so. Uh, I know French Dispatch by Wes mm-hmm. will be at Cannes. Correct. And then it's opening up everywhere else in October. Um, but I feel like, I think we're just like a day or two away from Cannes announcing their lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. They were supposed to do it last week and they, I don't know. So we'll see. Maybe Soggy Bottom will be on there. We'll see. If, the, if, if it did, it would be a very early screening. And I know, I'm not sure if we shared that article with each other, but there's, I guess like the studio doesn't want him to do that. They want him to wait till like right. Toronto right, or the right. New York Film Festival. Which I think would be fine. I just think that, you know, a, a can premiere is a very prestigious and thing. And, and he hasn't had a film at Cannes since Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. So it's been almost 20 years. Almost 20 years. 19 years. Jeez. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I am very excited for that. No, totally. I was going to say another funny, uh, not necessarily a comparison, but a connection of Altman and Anderson is He Needs Me being in Punch Drunk Love from the Popeye soundtrack. There you go. The connections continue. Exactly. (laughs) I know. Exactly. And that's just because I'll say, I'll admit it right now. I have never seen Popeye. I saw it a long time ago. I barely remember it. Yeah. It was okay from what I remember. It was weird. I, all I know is that it's Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall. Yep. But uh, I know that, yeah, that's that's her singing that song. Yep. And uh, I'll always think of Punch Drunk Love, though. Like, when that's I, like, when I, think I hear of... that, I'll always think of Punch Drunk Love. Right. Um, so whenever it is, I do get around to seeing Popeye, which I guess I will see it at some point. <laughs> One day. That's going to be man. kind of jarring, but, um, yeah. but yeah, do you want to wrap this up? Yeah, sure. So, uh, if you want to feel free to give us a follow on letterboxd, my username is Jonathan Susar and yours is Timothy underscore James. Yes. There we go. Never know if it's Timothy or Timmy, but I feel like you're, you do the Timothy. Mm-hmm. Were you ever a Timmy or no? I don't think you were. Just, just Briefly. for Mark. Just for just Mark. Just for Mark, right? Man, Timmy think, James. Yes, Timmy James. Uh, otherwise, you know, download the podcast, listen to it anywhere you can get podcasts. Just search in the queue. Um, can leave us a review on Apple if you want their podcasting platform or. Google has Yeah, that'd be nice. Also, also, uh, we have a a Twitter and Instagram account as well, in the QPod, all caps. Uh, Follow us on there. Um, 
Twitter, it's it's uh, mostly just us posting the episodes, and yes. then occasionally I'll uh, I'll comment you'll, on something. Yes, you'll find someone to take a swipe at. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked like every once in a while, I'll, like get a bunch of notifications. I'm like, oh man, what happened today? Fortunately, though, nothing. And there are times I'm like, yeah, get get their ass. Yeah, get them. You did share yeah. your wedding singer review to uh, our letter or uh, our Twitter, though. Twitter, yeah, yeah, good, yeah. You know, gotta let just, your freak just, flag fly. Yeah. Just yeah, just a bit of activity. Just just yes. to let people know we're still we're, we're out there. We're still, still there. Alive. Yeah. But um, but yeah, feel free to follow us on that. Follow us on Letterbox. Um. Check out all of our episodes or previous episodes on Spotify and SoundCloud, iTunes, and we don't exactly know when we'll be back, but it will be sooner than um, sooner rather than later. I it'll, forecast. It'll, you, you, yes, you won't have to wait as long for the next episode as uh, as this one. So we'll uh, figure that out, and we'll get back to you soon. For sure. Take care, everyone. Take care.